What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Snapback Chronicles, where we give you the backstage access to our guest here at Snapback. And today, we've got my man, 50 Grand, Scotty Fox, coming all the way down from the San Francisco Bay Area. Yay, area! Yo, what's up? <laughs> hey, man, thank you guys for having me out. I love this party. I love the whole concept of it. And to be honest, it's it's been a pleasure of mine and a dream of mine to mix with you again. It's been I think it's been almost been 20 years since we DJed together, it's but been that long. But man, I, I love it. I, you've always been a hero of mine. You, know, you, the whole your original Legend crew, oh, the Beat man. Junkies, all that. It just I'm a DJ historian and I love all that stuff. So it's been a like a real honor of mine to be here. So thank you, thank you. Oh actually. man, well honor's ours, man. Thank you for for coming down, make you know carving out some time out of your schedule to rock with us. You know, I'm not that busy. I try to, I try to, <laughs> try to, try to maintain. But you know, I'm happy to be here. Right on. Well, Scotty, let's uh, let's take everybody back. Um, for the people that don't know you, let's give a little history. So, like, you came up in the Bay Area. The mobile DJ scene over there was just crazy from the '80s and '90s. Like, give us a little history of like y your upbringing in that mobile DJ scene. Uh, well, it, exactly. That's it. Mobile scene. I started. Uh, we started our crew. My original crew was called Rhythm in Motion. We started in 1989. Um, we were around the whole Bay Area scene. We were like the small brother crew to like Spintronics and some of those guys. Uh, we, you know, it was me and like six other guys. We had our core guys. We came up real fast. We started doing real school schools really quick. You know, blowing up really fast. We had a cute guy in the group, so that helped <laughs> us get all the gigs. I can't lie. That's that, that's that how we bring the women to the, the to parties. Too, that's you know? that's exactly <laughs> it. Um, I did that crew for about five years and then um you know we you kind of progress and grow on um i moved over to spintronics which is a legendary crew from the bay area from the early yeah, 80s spintronics uh yeah i was part of the second generation wave there and you know uh did that for a few years and then worked at a record store throughout the 90s called ultrasounds which is a pretty much a well-known record store for djs yeah. in the bay area <laughs> started doing radio in 96 199 for nine uh, started doing this show called the Hip Hop Chop Shop on Wall Night for Nine, like our, our version of the Wake Up Show. Mm -hmm. um, about 98, did that for three years. Moved over to KML, which was like the number one hip hop station. Did that for 10 years. And then, um, you know, kind of stepped out of radio at that point. Well, here, you're jumping ahead, man. We oh, talked we, sorry, we, sorry, we, 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 we were talking about the mobile DJ scene. Oh, okay. <laughs> yo, yes. My favorite era. So my let's favorite jump back era. into this uh, mobile DJ scene. Yes, here. sir. So, like, what made the Bay Area mobile DJ scene unique from all other DJ scenes out there? You know, that's, it's hard to say because as far as we're concerned, we didn't know it was unique. We we just thought this is how it's done. We thought you guys had this in L.A. I mean, anywhere I guess uh, Filipinos were, we thought there was going to be crews like that. So, And we all knew, you know, we knew about you guys in L.A. We didn't know you guys, but we knew about we knew, knew about crews. But I guess it was... <clears throat> Uh, a couple, there's a couple crews that were really early, that were very innovative and took things to like this really level that you wouldn't have thought possible. Uh, one of them was Ultimate Creations, and one of the guys from Ultimate Creations basically, what he was a welder, he was a woodsman, built all. They were one of the first people I seen to like really emulate the touring companies. Right. They built their own cases. They custom built speakers. They had huge truss rigs. Not just a you know a straight line across. They did like full like diamonds and weird angles and stuff. You know, basically emulating what some of like um, 
the rock bands and stuff. Like if you go look at yeah. old Motley Crue videos and lighting and stuff, it's crazy. So they were doing that on a mobile level with three guys. <laughs> yeah, it's nuts. And plus their DJs were dope too. Like yeah. the guy Genie G is like a legend, crazy skills. So um, I guess what it was is that level of competition and also we had these parties called the Imagine Parties, which mm. were big Mark Bradford. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that Rest dude. in peace. <laughs> so that guy, um, they were big showcases, and that would, you know, line up other DJs against other crews, and I guess that, you know, expanded the competition. You knew that you had to come correct with a dope setup, great sound, and a real ill set. Yeah. You had to do that. And so I guess that level of competition is what pushed everything forward, pushed everything forward. You know, this crazy thing about the Bay, like we had a, the same mobile DJ scene over here in Los Angeles. But in the Bay, I think it was another level up from what we were doing here in L.A. because you guys had sound clashes, kind of similar to what they do in Jamaica. But you guys w had like one crew setting up a big system over here, another crew se setting up a big system over there. You know, like it was a big, a big production and crews would battle. Um, we had a few of those, but not on the level of what you guys were doing up there. I think it was the, uh, the Imagine Parties and uh, a couple of the ones that sp spurned off of that, the AA Productions and some of those. Those things really, um, A, they were always crowded, always yeah. packed, a good way for anybody to go. And I think, like you said, that, uh, that sound clash aspect of it really pushed the competition forward. And that, you know, if you're, if you're constantly competing against other people, you're constantly trying to innovate. Yeah. You're constantly going forward, yeah. And that, that was what's cool. And if you guys haven't checked out the book, uh, Oliver, he, he wrote about it. And it's all about the mobile DJ scene of, of the Bay back then. Definitely, it's a must read. Yeah, definitely yeah. check out that Oliver's book. It's, <laughs> it's amazing. So take us into the transition from the mobile DJ scene into how you got into radio. Okay, so, um, yeah, I've been doing mobile. And from, you know, doing mobile, you start uh, landing certain, like, clubs. We had a couple of big parties one was called Booty Hop, which was a big, big party back in the <laughs> 90s. Yeah, I know. Um, and I got to, um, because I was kind of known in the mobile scene, and I'd kind of, you know, advanced a little bit, um, I got to, like, open here and there. And then I got to do, you know, oh, it went from opening to, like, okay, well, now you can do, like, the second set, this and that. Right. And I also worked at a record store, uh, and, you know, the, some of the main DJs, basically uh, two guys, Jose Melendez and Jazzy Jim, two of the main radio guys shout out to jazzy man yeah, yo dude. jazzy I, I owe my whole career to him so he um he used to shop at the store and that was a good place to you know well you know hey they're doing a mix weekend slide them your demo you know mm -hmm. so you know i handed the demo they liked it back then it was like you had to do the crazy four track mega mixes on air that was mm. it had to be that level that was what we were working with in the 90s like you, you had to do and so I'd always been kind of different so I think what I was doing intrigued him and, and I wasn't just playing like you know all the hits in a row as I was doing a lot of I, I was a little more deeper with some of the hip-hop stuff and a little more you know creative was doing some acapella stuff and some weird you know kind of stuff like that and yeah I think he liked that you know a couple times though we did a couple mixed weekends and uh, he played played some st played some like you know fushnikins or some stuff, and he's like, well, you know that's that's not really good radio. And I remember telling him like, no, nah, that was dope, dude. That you that was dope. And he's like, okay, that's cool. Yeah, you're fired. So, 
But every time he'd fire me, I'd still get brought back for the next make. So I, I eventually I learned how to um, how to balance what I wanted to play versus what's radio right. had to play. You, you, I'm sure you did the same thing. So about '97, I got doing a regular slot um, on Wild Ninety for Nine, which was kind of a Latin-y pop, almost pop station. We played a lot of hip hop, but we also played a lot of dance and freestyle stuff too. Right, right. Which you know the Bay is very diverse, so we had we could play a lot of that cool stuff. So uh, that's that's basically how I got into radio, and from there I just fell in love with it. I yeah. fell in love with being on the air, and um, I would be the guy when we would do those. We would do like you know we're mixing for seven days straight, and a lot of guys would be like, well you know I can't make it for one of my shifts. I'd be like, I'll fill in. I'll right. be the guy. Maybe I was annoying. I don't know. But <laughs> I would do any time slot. Anything that was available, anything that came up. Bro, you, you, anything. So, and I would do it, and I, and I just loved it. So I, I would, you know, be at the station for like five or six days straight. Yeah. Terrible, you know. But just having a blast. Time of my life. Now, explain the, to the, the audience here the difference between mixing on air versus mixing for a live audience. Oh, uh, well, it's, you know, that's. It, the first thing is you're literally staring at no one. Yeah. You, it's hard. It, you cannot vibe off the crowd. You don't get instant reactions on. Right. Like, you know, you're in the club and you play a dead record and you're like, ooh, I better get out of this quick. You know. Yeah. In, in, the, in the radio, you, you, you don't see. get that reaction. So you kind of have to just kind of go by instinct. Like, yo, I, I feel this record. And if, if, if I play this record, I got to have something to back it up strong and familiar. Radio is all about familiarity. That's th and that's why people complain about it. Oh, they play the same songs over and over. Yeah. Well, they do, but the reason is because people only listen to the radio for a very short period of time. No, Most people aren't listening to the radio. Like DJs, we listen to a, a full mix for like an hour, a couple right. hours. People in the radio, in the cars, listen for 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And in that 20 minutes, they want to hear their favorite song. You know, that's really all people care about sometimes. You know, so if you can balance educating them with some new music a little bit or taking yeah. them on a little journey while still keeping it familiar, that's that's a good radio vibe for you. So it, it was it it's a little different than being in a club where you're just trying to make people hype. And plus, you know, in the nineties there was a lot more room to expand. Like yeah. you know, hip hop wasn't as prevalent as it was now and like we could play like I remember, you know, getting records like Cypress Hill or Black Sheep and that stuff and just throwing it on, you know, at a, at a club or whatever. No radio support behind that. Nobody knew what those records were, but people would just be like, yo, this is dope, mm -hmm. you know, and get hyped. So. <laughs> One of my experiences uh, spinning on the radio up there with, with, with you guys was Wild 94. On a, I think my last time up there was like on a 4th of July weekend, man. <laughs> there you go, yeah. So I did one of those weekend mixes with you guys, and, yo, it was fun, man. Oh, but, I mean, it, it was a great time. It was, it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, we, we, we got a lot of, like, fans out of that. People loved it. it. People still talk about those. I still have, like, on my Mixcloud page, I still have some recordings of those days. Nice. And people still, you know, comment on them or like them it's it's just it's fun to hear that old you know it's a whole different style now everything yeah. is different now but it's good to have that nostalgic feel to sometimes it's, it it's fun you know yeah yeah but so you along with a lot of the, the original bay area djs all the ogs pretty much you guys are all still pretty much prevalent in radio today yeah <laughs> yeah it's still keeping it yeah going. we we kept our claws in and we didn't let too many other people come in and take us out <laughs> uh, no so but well, in your opinion, kind of like uh, what's the state of radio up there now? Well, it's um, 
it got I mean, I would say KML kind of died around 2010 when I left, but that's just being arrogant. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, radio, um, you know, it, not to get too technical, they instituted this new rating system in 2008 that really kind of hurt uh, radio's creativity, and that's why everything is so tight now. You hear the same songs over and over. Like, they've really tightened it up. It's because of this new rating system that came in. So... Uh, radio, like anywhere else, has become really tight. So um, mix shows are really kind of the only place you can be creative. Um, I was on uh, – after I'd left KML, I did a pop station for a little bit, and then I moved to uh, this station we had Q102, which is basically a classic hip-hop station. Mm-hmm. And we – I did that for like three years, and that was fun. But, you know, and we had – we were given the – the go-ahead to do whatever. Like, right. if I wanted to play some Mob Deep or Nod Factor or whatever, you know, in my mixes, yeah. I could go for it. Yeah. As long as I didn't go too deep or keep it too deep, you know, if, if I played, like, a Nod Factor, if I backed it up with, like, a Hypnotized by Biggie, yeah. I was safe because, you know, you got to keep the familiar with the with with the, uh, the flavor. But then they brought in a new PD, and immediately Change, he... Yeah. He he was he had no idea what he was doing. I mean, he he knew what he was doing, but he didn't know the bay. He really wanted to just tighten everything up, and it it be, didn't be wasn't as fun anymore. Right. right. Lo- we lost our uh, kind of edge, so I left it for about a year until they got rid of that guy, hmm. and now I'm back. So now I'm on Q102, doing hip hop again, having having a blast with that, and um, the freedom is not. As much there, but it's still pretty there. I've, I've been yep. testing the waters more and more, trying to just expand a little bit. Right on. So you've been doing your, your thing in the Bay. I hear that you do a radio station here in Los Angeles. What radio station are you mixing for over so, here? So um, I do a mix every Friday for Alt 98.7, which is an alternative station. Their morning show, The Woody Show, um, great funny show. I do what's called a – they call it the Friday Turnup. It's like a fun little like <laughs> Friday turn up on an alternative station, right? <laughs> but I mean, it's like you know, we we play a lot of uh, kind of mashups, some alternatives, some dance music. I can play some hip hop on there if I want to. Oh, that's uh, cool. Yeah, they don't really have too many rules. They kind of let me just do what I want to do, and it's uh, the show is wildly popular, and um, it, the the turn up mix is actually popular. And now they're syndicated on twenty stations so far across the country, and. Armed Forces Radio, so all over the world, too. So that's within the last two and a half years I've been doing that. That's really kind of blown up for me. So that's really, wow. yeah, that's, that's cool. fun. Yeah, I mean, I, mean I, I, I see that you're always making frequent trips down here to Los Angeles and you're playing on cool gigs like on the Santa Monica Pier or you're yeah. doing Raging Waters tomorrow. So yeah, <laughs> I, I did one at the uh, their uh, their alter ego show at the Forum, uh-huh. you know, the legendary Shh. Forum in L.A., yeah. And that was like you know fifteen, sixteen thousand people. That was that was amazing. It was so much fun. Like That's just dope. cool stuff like that. Really cool. So the one thing that uh, that makes you stand out from a lot of DJs is your ability to be able to mix all kinds of genres. Your SoundCloud, uh, you know, you, you're just everything across the board. Out of all those genres, what's what's the favorite? What's the one that you you love doing the most? Um, I love '80s music in all ways, shapes, and forms. I that's my favorite. I did an 80s club in the, up in San Francisco for like five years, and that was like the, the time of my life. It's just so much fun. I just, for some reason, I loved that whole cheesy era. It was so 
it's so much fun to me. It was musically diverse, though. That was really oh, cool. Oh, huh? totally. Like, I mean, I, I, I love that, like, I can play the 80s, the, the hard rock, but also the yacht rock stuff. Even, like, the 80s, you know, funk and soul stuff. That, that era is so clean of music. You know, all the... That stuff is so great. So, like, yeah, you could play the 80s, but there's so many avenues you can take with that stuff. It's, that, to me, that's just... Any chance I get to play that stuff, I take it. <laughs> You might have to take us back on some of the some of the '80s tonight, man. Oh, don't worry, I got you. I got <laughs> some for you. Nice. Well, I also heard that uh, Russell Peters came across one of your mixes. How how did that come about? Yeah, so um, when I, we used to have this website called Mix Crate, and I posted my uh, I have a series of yacht rock mixes called Thread Count, um, and I guess they're fairly popular. Well, so he, Russell Peters, had been on Mix Crate quite a bit. He, I think, he'd even posted some of his own mixes. I know he DJs too. And he's also was pretty tight with Spinbad, yeah. and um, I guess he found it and he would comment it on me. And he found me on Instagram, and then like we started chatting, and he be he he's like a friend now. Like he's That's legit, cool. like a and he's the super coolest guy. I mean, like yeah, yeah. Russell's, Russell's super cool. Shout oh. out to Russell. Peterson. Oh, dude, Russ, good to see you, bro. <laughs> like just super cool. Yeah. So, uh, but it all became just from from DJing, and that's what one thing I love about DJing. It connects you to people. That you ordinarily wouldn't run into, you know. Like yeah. this is, this is a, a lifestyle for me, and I, I love it. I just I can't get enough of it. Um, so, as far as your your journey as a DJ, like, what are like some of your fondest as you look back on a lot of your career, and you still have a, a lot of career ahead of you, but as you look back on just some of the things that didn't pass, what are what are some of the things that stand out most to you? Um, I think the early days of radio, when it was when we were doing radio, it was kind of freewheeling. But it was one of those, like, I had I did my hip-hop show at, like, 2 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday night. Yeah. So that would be when everybody was, you know, getting out. All the other DJs who worked at the station were getting out of the clubs, and they would come back to the station, and it would be, like, another party in itself yeah. late night at the <laughs> station. Everybody's there hanging out. You know, occasionally there would be people that they had met in the club that had come back with them. Yes. If any of the bosses are listening, none of this happened. <laughs> but yeah, like um, that. And then um, I would say my my time on the air at KML when I was on every day, it, it got to the point where I was on four hours a day DJing, and uh, I would be there from like three in the afternoon to like ten at night. And but that was like the conversations we would have sitting around talking. Um, everything about music everything about anything in life and also just like you know meetings so, you know rappers would come in and you get to meet these dudes yeah. and some of them became like good friends like talib Bali and ghostface e40 yeah. you know still like good friends you know like these are dudes that you know are real life you know celebrities but you're like yo we just we just yeah. know these dudes like and um you know talking about life and just clown on each other you know it, it was a job but it was never a job you know it was just you, your, your job is to hang out with your best friends play music I mean it can't get any better than that yeah. it can't <laughs> you know that's and that's the beauty about the music uh, biz and just growing up in that 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 type of industry mm -hmm. uh, although it's changed a lot now but you know just that lifestyle 
you know that love that passion for what we what we do with music it, it, it's it can't be matched and uh, just having that freedom to be able to do things and then meet the people and being part of the creative process on some of these uh, you know because a lot of the times record industry reps would be coming to us and asking our opinions on different things or remixes or what can we do but speaking of remixes <laughs> you were like the remix king with something called lethal lethal weapon with so lethal weapons and top secret top secrets was mine um the one with the, the dumb cow on it <laughs> i didn't have a choice on whether i've got the cow on the label that was that happened but yeah uh we did that for i started off doing um a different series called mix with it which we mm -hmm. did out of our record store uh, and then I started doing the Top Secrets, did that for a while, and those really, I mean, we, we, did, we were pretty successful with those. We sold quite a bit of those. That was a good time. I mean, we, we, we made some decent money. Uh, I was very blessed in that. I, mean, in I that had a record drawer. store at the time, man, so oh. at Stax, those things were always flying, that's, that's right. flying off our shelves, man. So yeah. you guys were doing some big things with that. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, uh, we, we, we did very well with those. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of wish I had kept going with it into the digital realm. We did for a little bit with the – we had our Strictly Hits website, mm -hmm. but then the government decided that wasn't cool anymore, <laughs> and they took us down. And, of course, now everybody has a record pool online, which is, which is great. It's crazy, yeah. Well, it's, gra it's great because you're not getting one person's take on, on, a, on an intro or a remix. Right. There's a multiple options to choose from, so – it, it, it's actually kind of good now. I wish I kind of wish I'd kept going with it, but you know, it's it, I had my place, I did my time, and now the world's open to everyone else, and I'm yeah. I'm happy that we were at least a cog in this wheel. You know, it's it was a good time. I think for you me. guys were way bigger than just a cog. <laughs> okay, well, as far as uh, tonight, what can people expect for your set for Snapback? A lot of Michael McDonald and uh, Toto. <laughs> And no, um, you know, I'm going to I'm just going to I've got an idea what I want to play, but, you know, I don't want to uh, step on what anybody else is going to do. I kind of have uh, I think I'll, I think I'll bring a good up tempo, danceable, good vibe. I think it'll be fun. I think people will have a good time. People will sing. Nice. People will take their clothes off. You know, it'll it'll be fun like that, I think. Um, and and uh, hey, let's see what happens. All right. Let's let's have fun with it. Yes, sir. Well, you guys. My man, Scotty Fox, right here at Snapback Chronicles. Peace. Thank you.